This podcast is brought to you by Glitterati Communications. Learn more about Glitterati at BeGlitterati.com. What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist and a designer and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And this is the Art Pays Me podcast. I love talking to creative people about their business, their successes, their challenges, and how they make the world a better place with their work. Let's get into it. Welcome to a special series of Art Pays Me interviews with the winners of the 2022 Creative Nova Scotia Awards. These awards are presented by Arts Nova Scotia and the Creative Nova Scotia Leadership Council. They are presented annually to celebrate excellence in artistic achievement, notably the Portia White Prize. Winners of the Prix Grand Prix, the Established Artist, Emerging Artist, Indigenous Artist Recognition, and Black Artist Recognition Awards, as well as the Creative Community Impact Award are also honored. Collectively, the awards are worth $75,000. Visit artsns.ca for information on how you can nominate a Nova Scotia-based artist or apply for awards and grants for yourself. These episodes were co-produced by Heist and Kiki Beats. On this episode, I chat with Prix Grand Prix winner Clara Dugas about her experience as a professional storyteller and what it means to her to win this award, especially after uh, a long career as, as a teacher. Uh, first thing first, uh, who are you? So I'll start with your name, your pronouns, your artistic medium, and what your home base is. Uh, my name is uh, Ms. Clara Duga, mm -hmm. and um, my home base is uh, Timberley, Nova Scotia. Okay. Cut. <laughs> no, no, we, we, we keep going. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. Yeah. I'm not sure what you meant by home base. I forgot to ask you that. Oh, yeah, like where you're based. Okay, yeah. yeah. Originally from, I'm originally from St. Mary's Bay, but uh, I've taught and lived in Halifax County for over 50 years. Okay, yeah, so we're fellow, fellow Timberley neighbors. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, and um, so what... What, what uh, is your art form? Well, I never really thought of myself as an artist, but I guess uh, being here, I am here because I am a storyteller. I became a professional storyteller after teaching for 35 years. And uh, by professional, I mean I'm invited to festivals. And, um, and also, I have other art that I enjoy. I, I write stories. Um, and I'm a hooker, as in a rug hooker. Uh -huh. And um, uh, I guess that's that. Those are my favorite art forms. Okay. So when you say storyteller, is it more like you're kind of standing in front of a crowd and you just you have something ready to go? You got that right. Yes, I stand in front. Of sometimes <laughs> a very large crowd. Um, I've been invited many, many times, almost probably over a dozen times in the province of Quebec where they have multiple storytelling festivals. 
and uh, that is what we do there. We, uh, we prepare stories and sometimes it's a collective, meaning that there are other storytellers present mm -hmm. on stage, one after the other, we would tell our stories. And then sometimes it's a solo act uh, where I would tell stories for uh, um, an hour and 20 minutes with a maybe 15 minute uh, intermission. Mm -hmm. But uh, I would tell one story after the next uh, by myself. It's not read, it's just uh, told facing the audience. Wow. So uh, you said before this you were an introvert as a child. And. Uh to get in front of all these people, I mean, the the teaching, I guess, did, did, did that prepared you for standing in front of people and. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, one one of the things that I'm really proud of is that I started storytelling in my classes in my mm. classroom. Okay. Uh, first, it was grade ones, and dear little children, you know, they had no choice but to listen to me. So uh, they were they were they were my captives. Mm -hmm. So I started telling stories, and they enjoyed it every day—a little story. And then uh, I joined uh, Storytellers of Canada, which is a, a national organization of storytellers. And word of mouth, one led to the other, and sometimes people would invite me for little gatherings. But it was in 2005 when I was invited to tell stories between musical performances at the. Um, uh, festival in Clare, the Acadian Festival yeah. in Clare, and uh, uh, I still had a little bit of that introverted shyness. I, w I was scared to death. Actually, my stomach was rumbling, and I disguised myself in an old woman so that they wouldn't <laughs> know it was me. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, that's where really I started, and then they had storytelling festivals in Clare, and for 11 years they invited me every year. And that way, I, I got introduced to people from Quebec, all over the province of Quebec, France, Africa, and uh, it's just blossomed into something that I never imagined. Huh. That's, uh, that's interesting. It's, it's a, it, this is an art form that even I feel like I'm, I didn't really realize it was a thing like, like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so is there um, a particular story that you like to tell well, I'm glad you're asking me that because I would spend sometimes um, a lot of time learning legends and learning folk tales and whatnot. In my classrooms, though, I started by telling the very first story I would ever tell every year would be my very first memory. Okay. And I was probably three years old at the time, so I would tell this little story. It would last for about five minutes. And then I'd go from there and tell them stories every day of my childhood. Nothing was embellished. Nothing was imagined. It was all my own childhood. As a matter of fact, one time one little boy said, Madame Duga, could you tell us a happy story today? <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then uh, I was also uh, te not telling them that it was me. I was naming the little girl in my story, Anna. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the year, they, I would reveal who I was by showing them a scar inside my bottom lip. And uh, a mother of one of the many children I told stories to one day said to me, uh, Alan came home the day that he found out who, Madame, who Anna was. And he said, you know, Mom, Mrs. Dugat didn't have such a great life, but she turned out too bad. She didn't turn out too bad after all. So that was my, oh, that was my trophy. I was so pleased with that. 
So, um, what was the question? <laughs> oh, it's just this, this story, like that. Kind yes. Of okay. Okay. Yes. And I, one time, I was in Sherbrooke, Quebec. Mm -hmm. And there was a festival for three or four days, so I had told different places, and I had had my first solo performance, and it was very successful. I was very pleased with it. But all those stories in that solo were all about uh, my mother and my grandmother and women of my life, yeah. uh, my own life. But at the very final concert, uh, the closing concert, I was tired, and I didn't have, I wasn't really prepared that well, and I told a, a legend. And I, I really, I knew that I wasn't into it. A week later, the artistic director calls me and she says, you know, you did really well, but she said, at the closing concert, uh, you seemed to be lost. You didn't seem to be inside the story. Mm -hmm. And she said, Clara, you've got enough life stories that you could still just stick with those because when you tell a story, of all the women that you've known, you are in there, and we go in there with you. Mm -hmm. So since then, I've really, uh, you know, I thought people would get boring with just my ordinary little life, St. Mary's Bay, but once I heard that, I thought there is something to be said with just a simple everyday living and, and the, how people lived within my own childhood. Mm -hmm. So you found that people are able to find connections despite, even though it seems like it's so specific to your experience, but people can relate. Oh my goodness. One time, uh, this sticks out in my mind and it always will. I was in a festival in Shediac, New Brunswick, and I told a story, the one story about my grandmother. Mm -hmm. uh, the story about my grandmother was the first story I ever told, and that story got me invited to the Magdalen Islands, and from the Magdalen Islands, I got invited to France. Mm -hmm. But when I told it, to an audience close to Shidiac, there was a fiddle player in the background, which always brings tears <laughs> to me and other people. And after I was done my story, there was a lady in the audience who was a, a, a storytelling friend of mine. She was sobbing mm. and she said, I, I relived my grandmother. Mm. And then another lady in, um, in uh, Abitibi, uh, Quebec, uh, travels, she's famous, she travels everywhere, and she travels and interviews people and writes stories about other people. Mm -hmm. And when I told my grandmother's story, she too came to me in tears and she said, you made me realize that I don't have to travel. I've got a grandmother too. I could tell about my own uh, women in my own life. Wow. Yeah, so that was, that was very nice to hear. That's rewarding. Very uh, much. How do you uh, think that like creating and being based in Nova Scotia impacts your storytelling. Oh, it's it's everything. Yeah. It's everything. Nova Scotia is my DNA. My ancestors were here since the 1600s, and uh, and the stories that I tell are my family and mm -hmm. my 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 grandmother who lived with us, or we lived with her. She she was 80 years old when I was born, and uh, she died when she was 94. So I I spend my whole childhood with her into my teenage years and uh, you know she was born in 1870 so uh, that's a few generations ago mm -hmm. and uh, the, the the values and the culture the language and the religion were embedded into us and uh, it's 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 me mm -hmm. right so uh, did you always consider yourself an artist like as a child 
Oh, no, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> My art was just coloring and coloring books. <laughs> right. No, no, I was never, uh, never thought of myself as an artist. Although, when I look back now in, um, in elementary school, by the time I got to sixth, seventh grade, I, uh, I, I enjoyed writing compositions. Okay. And uh, many times the teacher would read my composition with some of the better ones to the class. However, uh, a few times, and I can't forget this, and I wish she hadn't done it, but the nun said, I'm going to read you a very creative uh, visual story, but it has a lot of grammatical errors. And I'm thinking now, having been a teacher, did she really have to say that? So now I write stories, and guess what? I have a lot of grammatical errors. My, the people in my writing group often have to uh, to help me out with that. <laughs> mm. But you know what, though? Sometimes uh, the imperfections, or whatever you call it, they, they add the charm. They make <laughs> it interesting, right? Uh, so um, is there a particular work that you've participate in or storytelling experience you've had that you're really proud of? Well, starting to tell to children is uh -huh. is my crowning glory. I I, I can't, uh, there is really, it was so, so rewarding. And even now, like, uh, year, I've been retired for 18 years and every once in a while uh, I'll, I might get a, a message on Facebook, are you the Madame Duga who told Anna stories? Wow. Yeah. So that was it's really emotional for me to think of that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, also, I'm very proud of my mother, okay. who was the first one to start telling me stories, because I was a very quiet child. Sometimes I'd rather stay in the house and watch mom iron, and she would tell me stories about her childhood. <clears throat> and I would say to her, you know, can you tell me stories about when time began? <laughs> <laughs> I think I thought that that's when time began, when my mother was a little girl, so, right. yeah. Uh, so, does, would you say she also had sort of the animated uh, flair that you have? Oh, way more than me. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh yes. She was an amateur uh, actress. Uh. Yes. She, uh, as, as a matter of fact, uh, National Film Board has a, has a movie, a film that she's in <laughs> called The Gossipers. She was very comical and she would often be called uh, to perform a monologue or a skit and she would do it all by herself. She'd dress up and, and really funny costumes. My father would say, oh, you're not going in public with that. And then he'd, she'd say, it's just to make them laugh. That was her main goal in life, to make people laugh. She could step dance like nothing. She could uh, sing songs by La Bolduc. La Bolduc is a famous uh, lady in Quebec. Okay. She, uh, she could sing solo. She could step dance. She played the harmonica like nobody's business. And she could play the piano. She she was multi-talented. Wow. As a matter of fact, sometimes I think she passed away in 1997, and I'm wondering if I didn't hold back a little bit while she was still alive. Because had I been a storyteller when she was alive, I I wouldn't I I would have felt that it wasn't enough because wow. she was so much more. That's very interesting, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in in some ways you're carrying on her legacy in in that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, um, and you know what I so I I'm around a lot of teachers in my life, so I know like when you say 
you discovered your creativity a, a little later. I, I honestly feel like teaching is a creative pursuit in of itself because to get young people to be engaged in that way just takes a lot. Yes, yes, yes. But it comes, it comes with time. I, the first year I taught school, uh, there was, it was back in 1969, there was a Kmart. Now, uh -huh. Kmart is probably obsolete to you, but it was <laughs> like the Walmart. <laughs> and in Dartmouth, not far from where I was teaching, and when I'd go to the Kmart and I'd look at the cashiers, I'd think, oh my gosh, you girls are so lucky. I want your job because I hate teaching. Uh -huh. It's not at all like I had wanted to be a teacher since I was four years old, but I was teaching my little sister or my little friend, and they were obedient. They weren't obedient the first year I was teaching. It was terrible. But the second year was better, and every year got better and better. And then I, I started uh, taking university courses to, to get my master's in education. And with those courses, I really, I, and, and honestly, the year that I started telling stories was phenomenal. My relationship with children totally changed with storytelling. Great. Yeah. So uh, can you give me a glimpse into your creative process? How do you get ready to perform? Well, uh, okay. I've got files of stories. Yeah. And uh, if I'm asked to go to a festival, I will look through those files and I will reread some of the stories that I, and I write my stories, even though they are stories that I know from, uh, you know, like my grandmother, my mother. Mm -hmm. I always reread them. Uh, fix them up, edit them, mm -hmm. and then I will, um, I will read them in my uh, iPod and mm -hmm. register them, yeah. record them, I should say. <laughs> I'm translating here. And then I will listen to that story over and over again. I'll go for a walk and listen to it, and then I will uh, uh, say it to myself, okay. um, which can be kind of dangerous, especially when you're driving. <laughs> One night, I was coming home from a choir practice in the city, and I was telling myself this story out loud. And I took the right exit, but I went as if I was going to the landfill. Oh. And when I got there, I thought, oh my gosh, where am I? And it's a good thing that I glanced to my right and saw the word Timberly, and I thought, oh, I better turn right here. It scared me, really scared me. I was really in my story, visualizing everything. So I'm not doing that anymore. I'm walking the woods when I <laughs> practice my story. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll repeat it and repeat it and, and say it over and over again. I've, I've definitely been there before. <laughs> um, but in a lot of ways, I, you're, you're a writer too then. How come you don't call yourself a writer? Oh, because, oh, no, no. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a wannabe writer. Okay. And every time in the, since I've been retired, whenever I'd see an ad for a writing workshop, I would take it. Mm -hmm. And I'd take it, and then I'd give up. I, I, would, I would write for that course. Now, uh, I remember taking a one-week course in uh, Lunenburg, and the, uh, the professor uh, said to me, I said something about taking workshops, and he said, you know what, don't bother taking workshops. You're a fine writer. As a matter of fact, you're great with characters. Mm -hmm. If you just write, 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 it'll come. But I never believed him, and, and then another advertisement would come, and I'd take that. <laughs> Well, there's a, a, an association called SCANS in uh, Nova Scotia, uh, 
Seniors College Association of Nova Scotia for seniors who want to take university courses, but you don't have you don't have exams or anything. You just attend. Okay. And uh, I took three, or maybe even four, creative writing courses through scans. Now the last one was in 2020 and we were stopped because of COVID. Mm -hmm. But within that class there were five of us who wanted to keep going. So that's what we've been doing since 2020. Every month we produce, we write a story mm -hmm. and uh, we send it to each other. So uh, one lady is sort of the, the leader mm -hmm. and the way it works is that we all send a word out. So, for example, I would send two words to this lady, mm -hmm. and everybody else does that. So this lady ends up with ten words, mm -hmm. and every month she would send us one word at a time, like maybe dance or uh, or uh, uh, hilltop, and we write a story based on that word. Cool. And I have thirty-five stories now, with an average of uh, eight to twelve pages each. Wow. So it's it's like a little treasure, and uh, sometimes I think, well, I'm running out of family stories, but <laughs> I could dip into that yep. and tell stories about other women. Like there's a couple of women that I've written stories about who were in my village, who were marginal. For example, one lady was very, very, uh, very poor and uh, uh, very crippled from birth. So those stories I've got on reserve now. Mm. And the, the ladies in my group keep telling me that they love my stories and that I have a, a knack for describing people and describing characters. And that's the way I am even in reading. Mm -hmm. If a book is all about landscapes, I'm, I'm not into it. But if it's all about characters, I'm right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh. Well, I, I think you should listen to those folks. <laughs> uh, so what does this award mean uh, to you? Uh, like, yeah. Well, well I, I flipped when I found out. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe it. Uh, for one thing, I thought that I'd have, because of the word Grand Prix, I thought I had to be involved in Grand Prix. Then when I read the description of the prize, mm -hmm. I, was, I, I was totally floored. Um, it's just like... Oh my, it's like the Oscars for me. Mm. And it's not, it's not as if I did any work. It's something that I like to do. It's like, well, that wasn't, that wasn't hard. And, and I really think it's because uh, I'm bringing my story and I'm bringing the life of Acadian life outside my province. I've, I've done it a lot in Quebec. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I've gone to France. Yeah. And uh, it, it really is... It's like, um, it's like, oh, uh, I've been very naughty, but Santa Claus is still going to bring me the best gift I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's well, it's well deserved, so uh, you don't have to worry about that. Uh, do you have any uh, future artistic aspirations? Not really. I, I just keep... Like, for example, uh, at the end of this month, I've been invited to d give workshops to the uh, teachers in the French school board mm -hmm. uh, at the Nova Scotia Teachers um, Provincial Teachers Conference. Okay. And things like that come up. And I, I, uh, if I leave myself open, then I can say yes to, to other things. Another thing I like to do is the, uh, uh, the RAN, which is the, uh, the 
Regroupement des aînés de Nouvelle-Écosse, which are seniors, Acadian seniors. And uh, I have a group of, we're five women, and we write letters to one class in one of the French schools in the county. And I coordinate that, and that is, that way it keeps me in touch with children. Because mm -hmm. when I first retired, I, I had a depression for about two months before I found rock hooking and storytelling because I thought, oh my gosh, I'll never be able to talk to children until I get my own grandchildren. And because uh, I love, I love children. I love, love children. Okay. Is there anything else that uh, you'd like to, to talk about or get into? Oh dear. Oh, that's an open question. <laughs> um, not particularly. I, I need to be I need to be uh, to be prodded with a question. I think, Dwayne. I don't think I can just. Uh, <laughs> I I just I you know I I love there's all I'm very very busy. Uh -huh. uh, I love to cook and I love to uh, to bake. Uh, I've got a grandson and and a son living close by, and I can go visit my uh, family on at St. Mary's Bay whenever I want. So uh, you know I'm just a very very happy, very content person. Good, good. Well, that's that's everything. Thank you very so, much. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this special episode of Art Pays Me. Just a little reminder, visit artsns.ca to nominate a Nova Scotia-based artist and make sure you apply for a little something-something for yourself. And another shout-out to the wonderful people at Heist and Kiki Beats for making these interviews possible. Thank you for listening to Art Pays Me. Thank you to Langy Beats for the theme music. You can find more of his music on YouTube. If you got anything out of this, please rate, review, or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening. You can find out more about Art Pays Me at artpaysme.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. I'm at Art Pays Me on all of those platforms. With that, we're out. Peace.